going to take just uh, 15 minutes each just to go through uh, two topics tonight. One is faith and one is passion. It forced me to do the, the faith. Now, I've had people say to me before as a Christian, Andy, how can you believe in a God you've never seen? What is it about you that you think you can believe in this, this being who's invisible that you say exists? Well, I like going on planes. Anybody here like flying? I really like flying. I really like going on these big jumbo jets. And often when I get on, there's a guy in a tie with a couple of epaulets on his shoulders, and uh, he greets people as he get on, he greets people to get off. They reckon he's the pilot. But here's, here's the truth. I've never, ever, in all my years of flying, seen a pilot fly a plane. I'm sat in the back somewhere. So who knows what goes on behind that door. Maybe he's just playing cards with, the, uh, with his mates. And when the uh, stewardess comes in the drinks, he just gets up and does the, that on the wheel until she's gone out again and gets come and playing the cards. But I've never seen a pilot play, flying a plane. Maybe you have. Maybe you're looking in a cockpit. But I've never seen a pilot. Yet, the plane takes off. It flies. It lands. And here I am to tell the tale that it all worked fine. And some people, faith is a bit like that. Some people, faith is like a blind leap where you leap off a cliff into the unknown. It was like for Abraham. God said to Abraham, go to a country that I'm going to show you. Didn't have a clue. For some people, faith is um, holding on despite opposition. Many of us go through life and we get opposition to our faith. We get opposition to things we pray for, but yet we hold on anyway. For some, it's a complete lack of doubt. For some, it's a, a confident expectation. Hebrews 11 says, we're sure of what we hope for. And we're certain of what we cannot see. That's faith. Hebrews also says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But tonight, I want to put faith into the bracket of being an unshakable belief. Something you've learned, something you've seen, that you won't, will not have your belief shaken. I'll just pick out three, three guys quickly um, in, in the Bible. And there's no clock. Excellent. There's no clock at the back. Brilliant. I, go, I've got, I mean, it's got all night. There's a story in Luke chapter 7 about a, a centurion who came to Jesus because he had a problem. His servant was desperately ill and looked like he was about to die. And for many people, that's where faith starts, when you're in the middle of a crisis. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you're in a crisis. And for some people, that is a start of faith. And this centurion came to Jesus. Now, if you know anything about the Romans and the Jews, of course the Romans were the occupying force, but they were still outsiders. They were not part of the Jewish religion, they were not part of Jewish culture, they were invaders, they were occupiers. But he had friends, because the, the Jews said to Jesus, well, I tell you what, he's, he's quite deserving, because he's been giving money to the synagogue, he understands our ways. And many, for many people, that's what they think Jesus is like, that you have to deserve the things of God. That you have to get to a certain level of goodness before God will even pay any attention to you. I want to tell you tonight, this is not what a real church is about. We believe that Jesus came for everyone. And that you don't have to step on the ladder before Jesus turns and looks at you. Maybe tonight you feel like an outsider. Maybe tonight, even though you've been maybe in church for years, you still feel like an outsider. Let me promise you, in faith, Jesus is here for you tonight. And who knows why this servant was so precious to him? Because servants were to a penny for the Romans. They could coerce anybody they liked into doing their will. In fact, the centurion could have said to Jesus, because he was a Roman, Jesus was a Jew, you, come and hear my servant, you do as I say right now. Because he had that will, he had that power in Israel. But he didn't. 
He went to Jesus and said, you don't even need to come to my house, Jesus. You just say the word. That's faith. In fact, Jesus commended him. Here he was, an outsider, and Jesus said, I've never seen such faith in Israel. I have never seen such faith as this. And that's where faith starts. Faith starts is, Jesus, you just need to say the word. Faith starts with, God, you are supreme. God, there is no one greater than you. And that's where it all starts. The moment we start to lower God from that position of enthronement, the moment we start to lower God from that sign of kingship, I can guarantee that's when your faith starts to dwindle. Because God is supreme. The centurion had a problem, but he had faith. Have you got a problem tonight? Have you got something you've been trying to work through by yourself? Maybe the, the centurion had lots of little household gods around his house that he tried praying to. He gave money to the synagogue, hoping that would earn him some favor. But yet Jesus comes along. And he said, Jesus, look, I've got authority. I'm a centurion. I tell a man to go, and he goes. I can tell a man to dig a latrine, he digs a latrine. I can tell a man to go and fight for me, and he will. But you, you just need to say the word. Because he understood, and he recognized the authority. But as you read on through Luke, you find a hero of the Bible. And it might sound great, Andy, you saying that that faith is really something that I'd love to have. It's, it's, it's great, it's way out there, but... I just, I just don't know. Andy, I have so many doubts. Well, join the club. Do you think for a moment any around, around here never has any doubts? You see, one of the greatest heroes of the Bible is a guy called John the Baptist. And he was in prison. And he said to his, to his, uh, his, his own disciples, go and talk to Jesus. Go and see Jesus and ask him, are you the one? Wow, Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest prophet ever. Yet here he was, in the middle of a prison, suddenly doubting what was going on. I've got something in my hand here. And I'm sure those of you in the front row can see quite clearly what it is. Anybody see what that is? It's a coin. Anyone wish to know which coin it is? It's a 20 pence piece. What about that one? It's 50, yeah. Yeah. What about that one? That's, that's amazing. Because I'm pretty certain that none of you can see that little tiny writing on there that says it's one pound. None of you can see the little tiny number there that says 50 pence. But you all knew straight away what that was. On the back side of that, there's the head of the queen. You see, the queen's head on that coin gives that coin all the authority. And Selwyn Hughes, one of the greatest encouragers of the... Uh, of the 20th century, said this. Okay, Selwyn Hughes, Every Day with Jesus, you've all read it, you know how, how good he was. He said, there was a time, a dark period in my Christian life, when I had serious doubts about the faith myself. Wow, Selwyn Hughes, having doubts. Not... Then I read this. Doubt is the other side of faith. No one should worry if there are doubts. They are messages to tell us to turn the coin. Everyone has doubts. Everyone somebody wonders, sometimes wonders what's going on. Sometimes we cannot see the end of the story. 
I tell you, that coin has got the authority written all over it. And wherever I go, I get 50 pence worth of goods from this coin. Because that's the authority that carries. The Roman centurion, he took a glimpse into that authority. Jesus said to John's disciples, go and talk to John. Go and tell John. Tell him everything you've seen about the authority. Because even that moment in that prison, John could have that assurance in his darkest hour that the one he was serving was the one. James, the book of James says, count it all joys when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy for a trial. Because what comes out the other side is far greater. Selwyn goes on to say, Christians are called to trust God when they cannot trace him. And to believe that whatever he allows that we may describe as bad is part of a purpose we cannot fully understand now. But one day, we will. Until that day dawns, we trust. Maybe tonight, you need to flip that coin. You've been looking at the doubts. I want to encourage you tonight, in your own heart, in your own life. If you're not sure, just flip that coin of doubt. Because on the other side is your faith. Ephesians says, when the fiery darts of the enemy are coming against you, when you're under attack, what do you lift up? You lift up the shield of faith. Because in that shield of faith is all the authority you'll ever need. Thirdly, we've got recognize the authority. We've got rely on the authority. And we've got respond to the authority. Peter's been fishing all night. All night. He's a fisherman. He knows his job. See, I, I work in med- medical devices, and I know what I'm doing. And occasionally, I come across uh, uh, somebody in theatre who, who decides to tell me how the machine works. Now, I assure you, in, in the United Kingdom right now, it's not a boast. This is, this is true. Nobody knows that machine like I do. Yet occasionally, I get people trying to tell me they know it better. And what do you think I do? Do you think I smell sweetly and say, okay, I, I understand that? Well, actually, I do. I'm thinking something completely different else. But Peter's there. He's been fishing all night. He's caught nothing. Do you feel like that sometimes? Do you feel like you've been living your Christian life? You've been telling all your friends about Jesus. You've been living the perfect model of Christian life in your workplace. And yet, nothing ever happens. And then somebody smart gets up on the platform, or somebody in a t-shirt gets on the platform, and tells you how they think it could be better. And you think... But you don't know my world, Andy. Andy, you don't, you don't know the pressures I'm under. Andy, you don't know where I go every single day. You're right, I don't. Somebody does. That authority that you walk from tonight, that authority you carry with you from tonight, that faith, that unshakable belief goes with you. Jesus said to Peter, go on, throw your net on the other side. And Peter, bless him. I, I love Peter. He just sums up most of it in, in this room. Like a bull in a china shop sometimes. He turns to Jesus and says, well, I've been doing it all night. One of my favorite phrases in the whole of the Bible. But because you say so, I will. 
And maybe tonight you've been fighting something. Maybe you know that God's been talking to you. Maybe there's a word in your heart that you know God's been saying, you've been resisting saying, but God, you have no idea what I work with. God, you have no idea what my life is. God, you have no idea what my family is like. God, you have no idea what it's like in the dark times. He does. Which allows you to say, because you say so, I will. And here's what happened. He did. He put his nets on the other side. And there were so many fish in the nets, he had to call the other fishermen around him to come and help him. It wasn't just his basket that was full. It wasn't just his church that was full. Everybody else around was impacted by that abundance of fish. You see, when you rely on that authority, when you recognize the authority, and when you respond to the authority, that's when Jesus can do great things in you and through you. You see, from the very words of God, a world is formed. Light comes out of darkness. Loaves and fish feed 5,000. Seas can part. The blind see, the lame walk. Crisis comes to an end. Fish jump into nets. Matthew 4 verse 4. Jesus says, man doesn't live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. As a Passover to Christian, rather than you fight things yourself, why don't you let God do the talking? Amen. So as part of our series, as Andy has said, there's some values that we're, uh, by God's grace, wanting to lay into the life of the church and and not just in the life of the church, but also into our lives too. And faith is, is a bedrock value. We need to have faith in God. And, and the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Andy's quite right. Many of us mix uh, fear at times. And it's not a bad thing to be frightened. But actually, there's a call this, this evening that we've heard to live a faith-filled life. One of the other values that we want to just begin to uh, lay into the life of the church... And, and continue to perpetuate in the life of the church, is that of passion. I'm, I'm amazed, you know, how people have passion for different things. When I use the word passion, let me just try and define it a little bit. It's that strong emotion to, that drives you to do something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's just something deep inside of you that wants to just pursue something, and it's called a passion. But I'm amazed how people have passions for different things. You know, I'm I'm constantly amazed. There are some people who have passions for their pets. Now, please forgive me if you're a dog lover or cat lover. Well, actually, don't forgive me. I can't be doing with cats. If you like the cats, that's up to you. I I don't mind dogs, but they just love their little babies. I mean, I don't get them when they're carrying around in bags. I know I'm probably polarizing a number of people. Now you see these posh people. They've got these little, whatever they're called in their things, they're jolly dogs. I mean, you know, what's all that about, Debbie? What is all that about? But they have a passion for cats and for dogs and for animals. There's other people who have a passion for football. I was laughing. We had some of the younger guys around just a week or so ago, and they were showing me some funny clips on YouTube. And, and, I'm, a, and I'm a Liverpool fan. Uh, you know, I nail my colours to the mask, but, you know, you've got people calling in to Stan Cullimore on the talk radio show. Oh, I can't believe... Stephen Gerrard is leaving Liverpool. 
It's my world. Stephen, do you want to go? Believe he's gone. What is all that about? The pathetic little get on with it and grow up. And you know, that's fine. You've got a passion for these things, but what is all that about? Some people have a passion for shopping, ladies and gents, and shoes. And I was talking to a guy who I go to basketball with, and and, and we take our boys there, not wear basketball in. And I just want to clarify that. And um, and he was saying to, to me, he says, I've got more shoes than my wife. I'm like, really? And then I began to thought, thought, I've actually got more shoes than my wife, but we'll best not go there. Um, people have passion for all kinds of things. They really do. I have a passion for many things, and I hope that's something that just comes through in my life. And there's nothing wrong with having passion for things. I remember when I was wooing this lady on the front here. I was just on a, it's called courting. I know it's a bit old-fashioned word, guys, but I think it still needs to be instituted. Everybody in agreement say, amen. Amen. Courting. It's a good word. Courting. And I was courting Caroline and trying to woo a little bit. And so what I did, I organized with my brother-in-law to just lay. It's an old-fashioned, you younger ones, I haven't got a clue on them out. But there used to be an advert that says, all because the lady loves. We'll do that again. All because the lady loves. And what used to happen, there was a man in a black, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it was all going on, Josh, I'm telling you. It was black, and he'd, and he'd ski down mountain slopes, and he'd, you know, go through hotel lobbies undercover, and then he'd jump into the hotel room, and you thought, oh, what's coming next? But it wasn't. It was all innocent. And he'd lay, and he'd lay a box of chocolates on the pillow, and then he'd leave it, and she'd walk into these chocolates, and it says, all because the lady loved milk tray. And I was so passionately trying to woo this lady who's now getting really embarrassed. I'd organized with my brother-in-law, future brother-in-law, now brother-in-law, to lay these chocolates on a pillow on Valentine's Day. And the rest is history. Kev. Josh. What can I say? There's nothing wrong, listen to me, having a passion. There's nothing wrong having a passion for cats and for dogs and for football and all those kinds of things. And even for your husband and your wife. But listen to me. All those passions, I believe, need to be placed under the passion of all passions. And that is a pursuit of Jesus. Let's turn to Mark chapter 10, shall we, verse 46. There's a very, very interesting story. And we're going to see it on the screens. And it reads out, because there's a man by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. I wonder if we can get it on the screen. That would be great. And we'll read it together from verse 46 through to 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. And a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. They were saying, shut up. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. Jesus doesn't want to be interested in you. Look at you. You're a beggar man. You're a waste of space. 
I'm reading into the text now. He would have no interest in the kind of person that you are. Look at you. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. (laughs) Jesus stopped. I want to tell you, the cries of your heart, you might think God doesn't hear. I want to tell you, God hears every cry and he gets his attention. I believe that heaven stops when he hears the cry out to him. And Bartimaeus cried out to him and Jesus stopped and said, bring him here. So he called the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let me tell you tonight, whatever you have come for, in the midst of all the entertainment and dad's dancing and all that kind of dance off and all that kind of thing, I want to tell you a miracle can take place. I really believe it in my heart, even now as I'm saying it. A miracle can take place. As you begin to call out to God in your time of need, I want to tell you, heaven stops. He's stopping at this moment. And he hears the cry of every person. And by faith, Bartimaeus was healed. For me, this is one of the most passionate stories in the Gospels. Because there were many people who were trying to keep Bartimaeus away from Jesus. They were trying to put all kinds of barriers up. Because like I said, he was a beggar man. He didn't have much going on in his life. We don't know why he found himself, you know, as he was. We don't know, was he born like it? We don't know whether he developed his sight issue later on. But one thing's for sure, he was a beggar man. And another thing to be sure is, people knew him in the town. He was well known by them. Probably because they saw him as a nuisance. And yet Bartimaeus seized his opportunity. You see, Bartimaeus had a passion to pursue Jesus. We want to lay in a value in Arena Church. Then we want to passionately pursue Jesus. If you don't like the pursuit of passion in terms of pursuing Jesus, this is going to become an uncomfortable place for you here. That is why we do the things that we do. That is why we enjoy ourselves. Some people may have an issue with what we did here with the games. If you do, you'd probably, let me just say, you need to grow up a little bit. You, you just, I'm just saying it as it is. Because actually, we just had some fun and Jesus was all in this. Jesus just isn't here when it's all solemn and serious. Jesus is in all of my world. I don't compartmentalize Jesus in my life. Jesus is with me wherever I'm doing. And that means I can be having a joke with my good friend Phil. And Jesus is right in the middle of it. And then we can be praying together and weeping together and calling on God. And Jesus is right there. But too many Christians compartmentalize their lives. We have a passion to pursue Jesus. And it flows out in games. And it flows out in passionate worship. And it flows out in a passionate word. It flows out when we're praying and laying hands on the sick. And believe it for God. And it also comes out when we're doing the decorating. And the DIY. And the serving of the teas. And the sorting of the car park. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? It's a passion that runs through the course 
of our lives. Bartimaeus, my goodness, what a passion he had. But there's two things that I notice about this man. Listen to me. If you have a passion to pursue Jesus, people will try to quieten you down. What did they do? They kept saying to him, be quiet, Bartimaeus. Jesus isn't interested in you. Can you remember the Michael Winner advert? I mean, he's now deceased. The, the insurance. Calm down, my dear. Calm down. Why are you playing those drums like you're doing? Calm down a little bit, Dave. Josh, what is up with you, man? Calm down. Stop getting so enthusiastic about reaching young people for Jesus. Calm down. What's you on this electric guitar? Steady it down a little bit. And what's all this Phil Pike giving it this and all this? Calm down, Phil. Calm, calm down. He's not going to 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 calm down. You guys, you've got a passion for small groups? Calm down. You're not going to calm down. Because why? Because we believe in Arena Church to be passionate for Jesus. That's what gets people here on a 6 o'clock on a Sunday night. That's why some of you have come tonight. Because you wanted a dose of passion. You wanted a dose of life. You wanted to meet with Jesus. And everybody will tell you to quieten down. Why should we quieten down? By the way, if you want the music to be quietened, Quieting down, sorry, it's not the church for you. We're trying to sort out, you know, the levels and all that. We recognize an issue, but I'm telling you, we ain't going to stop the drums. We ain't going to stop the electric guitars. In fact, we want more of them. I do. I want some trumpets and some trombones and some saxophones and violins. Come on. Trombones. Come on. People will try to quiet down. Second thing is, they try to dampen his enthusiasm. I remember as a young guy, early preaching days at my previous church in Milton Keynes. There was a minister in that church who was a retired, well, he hadn't retired actually. I'll just leave it at that. I probably can't show him going to do more. But anyway, he was a minister, so-called minister of the gospel in the church. And I was cutting my teeth in preaching, as I still feel a little bit, learning and growing and developing. We are, Phil. And I remember preaching my heart out, much like this. I mean, nothing's really changed in that sense. Caroline can bear me out. I've always been pumped up and probably shouted a little bit too much and got a bit enthusiastic. And, you know, if I get a laugh, then I want a few more laughs. And it's just how I'm built. But I think one thing you'll know is I love Jesus. And I'm committed to seeing people come to faith. And I'm committed to brokenness being allowed into the church. And making this a church for everybody. And my heart's good. And I preached my little heart out. And I remember this guy coming up to me. And saying to me, you walk around too much. You shout too loud. This was a so-called encouraging minister of the gospel. Not sure God could ever do anything with you. You need to sort yourself out. I want to tell you, I was wrecked. I was wrecked. Came away thinking, you know. You probably, she's looking blank at me. I can't say because of podcast because it goes around. I'll tell you afterwards. 
But you remember the story. She don't remember a lot of things, do you? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you remember the milk trays, chocolates, don't you? He wrecked me. Until months later, I just realized, you know what? I'm allowing this man to take to me. He wants me, my passion, to come to his, meet his mediocrity. Are you listening to me? We're not going to live me. I'm not going to live mediocrity. He was leading mediocrity. He was leading average. I thought, there's no chance. I'm open to correction. Listen to me. I'm not rebellious. I'm open to constructive criticism and help and whatever. But it wasn't constructive. It wasn't helpful. And he wasn't delivered in love, by the way. He just wanted to wreck me. And there are some people who want to dampen your enthusiasm. And you've got to keep pushing through it. You're listening to me, Arena Church. Here in Mansfield, we've got to keep pushing through it. There are people who want to stop you from coming to this place. You've got to press through it. There's all kinds of things that could stop you from being here. It may not work out. You've got to press through it. Because in Jesus' name. We're going to keep coming and we're going to keep turning up and we're going to keep believing that God's going to come amongst us and we're going to keep believing that blind eyes are going to be opened. We're going to keep believing that broken lives are going to be mended. We're going to keep believing that those who are far away from Jesus are going to be brought close to Jesus. Why? Because we're passionate about pursuing Jesus and we're passionate about the world in which we live. Can I hear an amen in this church? We're passionate. So this passion in drawing to a close is uncontrollable. It is uncontrollable. It's like this love is relentless. I'd actually like on my tombstone, I don't want to go yet. The Lord knows that. I'd love something like, or, you know, at the end of funeral service, I'd love for people to say, well, there were many things, and there's some things that we, you know, God needed to do in him. Oh, but we couldn't, we couldn't get away from his passion. If I can say this, some of you, need a good dose of passion. It comes through God just coming into your bedroom where you are, in your car as you're just crying out to Him. For you to have a real encounter with the living God, for God to touch your life again, for Him to minister to you, for Him to show His love to you. And I tell you what, you can't help yourself then. You just can't help yourself. You can't help telling people about Jesus. You can't help smiling. It's all this deep joy. It's so deep down nobody wants to see it. I want to say it's a load of nonsense. When you're passionate, I know there's some quiet people, but it comes out of you. By nature, this man would be shy and reserved. But I tell you what, it's there. And yeah, you know, it's, I'm more boisterous. You know that. But passionate. So it doesn't, not as an excuse, well, I'm shy. It still needs to come out. And it becomes uncontrollable very quickly. Four things. Where we're believing in Arena Church, we want to be living a life of passion. Number one, I've already touched on, is in our worship. I tell you, I'm serious. We're not talking about making a horrible noise into the Lord. We want it to be right. But I tell you what, we want to diminish these, these guys' passion to lead us into the presence of God. We don't want to go back to where it was in the 70s and 80s or going back. I'm not being unkind to a particular frame of church reference that we could think of. There's more of an established kind of pattern. We wanted, we, neither of we wanted to be Hillsong. We wanted to be us. We wanted to deliver it with a passion. You know, there's a sound of this house. We wanted that to run through our worship. Secondly, lost people. If you are here and you are feel very broken, 
and you feel like you've messed up, and you feel like your life's messed up, and you feel like there's no way of, way of return, I'm so grateful that you've come here. I'm so glad you're under the sound of my voice. Because I want to say to you, Arena Church loves people who aren't religious. We love people. I want you to feel very welcome here. We have rules or behaviors. This is why we're delivering this. There's a way in which we behave and act. We want to be respectful. But I'll tell you what we love. Lost people. Thirdly, we have a passion to serve others. We want to see that expressed in a variety of different ways. We want to be able to do it through giving somebody a bunch of flowers when we know they're not doing so well. For some people among, who've been here who have not been well, a meal that's delivered to your door. We like to be able to say, oh, well, I'll pick somebody such and such up to get them there. We want to express service to the church and also to the wider community. What needs to happen in Arena Church is that we serve this town more than we've ever done before. And then they will stop and ask, why are you doing this? And then we have the opportunity to tell them what Jesus has done in our lives. We have a passion to serve. And lastly, we have a passion for excellence. I want to say cheap and shoddy are banned from our lives. Now you might say, well, the front doesn't look so good. No, we're on it. Excellence is doing the very best you can with what you've been given. There are some people who have a million pound in the bank and yet they live shoddy lives. Because it's a choice. So actually with what we've got, and I think you'd agree with what we've got, yeah, we've got three panels, we're getting that roof sorted out. Once we've got that roof sorted out, we'll get these tiles done back. So even in this building, we want it not to be cheap and shoddy. No more cheap and shoddy. When Gladys was doing the uh, Open Door 15-year celebration, my only instruction to you was, wasn't it, do not do cheap and do not do shoddy. If you want a few hundred pounds to go and throw a big bash and you want a big cake and you want, then you've got it all. So we want to be a good representation to this community. Hello? Jesus never did cheap. He never did shoddy. He did excellent. Always did excellence. Always did it. And that's what we want. We have a passion to do things well. We want to do it the very best. We can. And by the way, if anybody wants to help us to pay for that roof, then that you'd be very welcome. Let's write all checks to Arena Church and we'll make sure that it goes to those places. Then that would be wonderful. So we have a passion. I'll close there. We have a passion. We want it to run through in our individual lives and we want it to run through the life of the church. May God help us. I say, may God help us to live passionately. My last statement is this. If we want the world to take notice, they'll take notice when we're passionate about pursuing Jesus, passionate about this world, and it can't help, we can't help ourselves. It just expresses us, it expresses itself to the world as they look on. I wonder if we'd bow our heads and pray.